You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. Mother's Day. This is really a, a holy day. It really is. I mean, of all the days that you want to make sure that you get down right, it's Mother's Day, right? And uh, I love the scriptures because the scriptures talks about that as well. And as Paul was working with the church in Thessalonica, he lays out all the different people that uh, he wanted to be in order to meet the needs of the church in Thessalonica. And one of those personified in a mother. And the Bible says that just as a nursing mother cares for her children, uh, so we care for you. Because we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Paul says what? Paul says, look, uh, we were all things to all men to you guys, but one of the things that we're especially proud of was that we were a mother to you guys. And this is a huge part of Paul's attitude about being all things to all men. For an Asian man or for a Middle Eastern man to, to humble himself and to say, I was like a mother, was huge. And yet that was Paul's attitude and his spirit was that we were wanting to be all things. And what he, one thing that he lifted up was motherhood. And Paul says that uh, we were like a mother to her children. Okay? We see this cute little picture of, and it transcends not only just the human race, but it really goes through animal world, whatever. I mean, you can have a, a massive tiger, you know, taking care, and just the massive power in the jaw, and yet, she knows how to carry her baby uh, gently as well. So we see that not only in our species, but in the animal kingdom as well. But there's another part of motherhood that's really intense that the Bible talks about. The Bible, you know, Jesus, God compares himself to a bear mom who's robbed of her cubs. And the Bible says, I will attack them and rip them open like a lion, I will devour them. Like a wild animal, will tear them apart. So on the one hand, you see the gentleness of the mother, but on the other hand, you see the ferocity of a mother that's being threatened by perhaps another animal or by things that threatens her children. And the Bible talks about that, that God says, uh, you don't want to run into a bear that's been robbed of her cubs. And I saw this video and I thought you might enjoy this. This is really cool about a mama bear. All right, so here we go. Untamed and uncut. It's early fall in Alaska's majestic Denali National Park. And the grizzly bears are in a feeding frenzy, fattening up for their upcoming hibernation. Wildlife photographers Belinda and Lance Peck are there watching the grizzlies gorge. But just off in the distance, a starving male bear catches the scent to the carcass and then spots the cubs. He was hungry and he was coming after the food. It was at that point where I began to get a little afraid for the cubs and the mother bear. The male wastes no time and goes in for the kill, but he's going to have to go through mama bear first. She came out of nowhere. She flew into him. She was going so fast. 
hit him like a freight train. She just bit him. She clawed him. She was squarely on top of him, and she wasn't letting him go. She just let him have it. It was unbelievable. When she let loose of him, he got up and got out of the water, and then he just went walking <laughs> off back the direction he came. And we thought that was the most amazing thing we have ever seen. When all seems safe, the hungry cubs come out of the woods and start eating again. To ensure its survival, a grizzly will pack on up to 40 pounds a week and gain nearly half its body weight. Once a bear gains enough fat, its thyroid gland triggers a change in hormone levels, sending the bear into a state of hibernation for three months or more. Amazingly, the bear can lose up to half its body weight by just sleeping. He's coming back again for the meat. And this time, the enraged and starving bear is willing to kill to eat. It looked like he came with weapons. He was armed this time. He was smacking his jaws. He was foaming at the mouth. His only purpose could have been to come in and kill to take the meat. We knew if he killed her, he would go after the cubs, most likely to, and kill them. Mama Bear is willing to die to save her cubs. She turned right around and with all her strength dove into the river and plowed across and she got across the river and met him head on and right then she just started screaming at him. She was so fierce, he was backing up. You can see her jaws moving back and forth, and she's like yelling at him and telling him to get the heck out of there, that that's her meat and go away. And then suddenly she just throws a low blow wrestling move onto him, and he's down at her level, and they're face to face, and she lays a right on him with her claws. She's done him pain. And he stands up and just lets out a ferocious roar. The mother bear's fierce and heroic behavior saves her cubs' lives and teaches them how to someday fight like their mom. Untamed. Kind of our lesson today is fight like your mom. You know, Sarah Palin picked up on that theme eight years ago, about eight years ago when she said that. And this was probably the apex of her uh, candidacy and her political... Like, if she stopped saying stuff after this, she'd still be respected today. But she said something that was really resonating with people. She said that... Uh, they say that the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull, lipstick, right? You remember that line? What does it say? It says that there's a side to motherhood that you don't mess around with. Okay? And that's what God is comparing himself to as well. That there is a side to motherhood... That we need to learn from. Part of our lesson today is fight like a mom. Fight like a mom. And we're going to study out a scripture about this woman, the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. And we're going to really see how she exhibits the faith that we need to have. The faith that we need to have. And how Jesus lifts up that kind of faith. How Jesus looks around and all the different people, the religious people, his own disciples, and yet 
he lifts up this mother fighting for her daughter. And it's a great scripture. I want to build a little bit of a context around it uh, before we get going. Well, you can just play snacks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, this is my fault. I brought, I brought it in late today, so it's not Mike's fault. So, my bad. There you go. There you go. Mike, you're doing a great job. All right. Mike, awesome. It was my bad. I, I brought it in late today. It was, uh, it was Mother's Day. No, I'm just kidding. It was my fault. I was doing something. All right. Jesus had a hard time with religious people. He really did. If you look at throughout the scriptures, who did he argue with? Who did he fight with? Religious folks. Why? Because what happens is that religious folks, they get things down, but they lose the heart of the religion or the relationship with God itself. So this scripture here says that some of the Pharisees and teachers of law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. These were the big guys. These weren't Pharisees from the surrounding Judean area. These were the guys from headquarters itself. And they heard about Jesus and they came to meet him like the bear there. And they go, you know, I'm going after this guy. Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands with when they eat. And these things are so important to these Pharisees that they missed the whole thing about what Jesus was all about. And I think it's really easy to look at the Pharisees and go, you know, put the blame on them, but we can do exactly the same thing, and that's why scriptures are there for us. And we do things without the heart behind it. We do things without the passion, without the reasoning behind it. And Jesus went after these guys. Okay? Jesus replied, and why do you break the commands of God? He wasn't just sitting around and just go, you know, hey, la-di-da, and walk around. He went after them. He says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God says, honor your father and mother's mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. You know, in the Old Testament, it's serious when it talks about honoring our mothers and fathers. I'm glad we live in the New Testament because I would be dead by now. Okay? I think all of us would be dead. All right? But that's speaks to the grace of God and the understanding of, of God, the chances that God gives us. And I love this scripture here because we're not unaware that as we celebrate Mother's Day, not all of our moms are perfect. And I think some of us, we have an ambivalence in terms of Mother's Day itself. And, and we know that because our moms are, are people. They're humans. Okay, they do the best that they can. And my, myself, I have a changing relationship with my mom as well. When I was a kid, I really loved my mom. I really appreciated my mom. I protected my mom. But as I got older, she, you know, we lived in a very abusive relationship, and I really appreciate you know, Evie for, for being so vulnerable coming up here. And, and if we were to ask each one of us in this room, we all have experiences like that in one way, shape, form, or another. But I grew up really loving my mom, protecting my mom. Even as a little kid, I protected my mom, and and I know this is kind of weird, but when my grandmother passed away, I, as a 12-year-old, I was really worried that she was going to come back and haunt me. Okay? That's just the way I was thinking at that time. But as my mom grew older, and as I got grew older, I really questioned my mom as well. 
Mom, why didn't you protect yourself? Or why didn't you do these things? So I have different things that I wrestle with in my own relationship uh, with my mom. And she's 84 years old now. And I love my mom. Okay, But that's just the way we are. And I love what the Bible teaches us too, especially in Asian cultures where it talks about honor your father and mother. Well, a good thing is that we don't have to obey them when we grow up. And that's a good thing, right? Because I, as a parent myself, we make a lot of mistakes. And yet the Bible teaches us what? Honor our parents. You don't have to obey them when you get older because they, you have your own way. But the Bible says we have to honor them until the day they die. Okay? So what was going on here is that the Pharisees were trying to substitute this scripture of honoring their parents with an act of one single act of worship called Corban. They go into the temple, they give a gift, a one-time gift, and they say, that's it, I fulfilled this scripture, the ultimate act of religiosity. Trying to fulfill something that God wants us to fulfill, but without the heart behind it. And Jesus saw straight through them. And Jesus laid them out. And I love how Jesus approaches this thing. And we talked a little bit about this too. It's like, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And the answer is yes. Because mothers aren't perfect. Mothers are humans. They do the best that they can. But they're fallible. But the Bible says, though she may forget, I will not forget you. So God is trying to transfer the burden that's on a mother to himself. Saying, now listen, I'm not going to forget you. I'm greater than your mom. And that's why Jesus says in the New Testament, when he came around, says, have faith in what? Have faith in God, Jesus answered. What are humanly parents, father, mother, brothers, or whatever, you know, lack or is not able to fulfill God is more than able to do so. Jesus was trying to channel everything towards that. That's why he was so hard-lined towards the religious people because the religious people, even though we do those things, we'll forget really the main point behind it. He was trying to push people back to their relationship with God. Can we relate to this? Absolutely. The human heart strays every day. The human heart wants to get the easy way out and Jesus is trying to point them back. Jesus called the crowd to him and he says, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of a man's mouth, that is what defiles them. Jesus was teaching the deeper things of a relationship with him. And he goes after the disciples as well. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? You know, Jesus was not here to just tell nice stories. He was not here just to get us to go to church on Sunday. He was here to fight for our hearts. And these Pharisees were offended, and Jesus knew that. I love the Greek in this, actually. The Greek, if you look at the last line there, it says, iskan the lis teisan. You know what that means? Do you know where that word comes? What does it sound like? The same passage. It's scandalized. That word, offend, is it's scandalized. So the disciples, you know what they were saying? They were saying that, Jesus, don't you know that you're scandalizing everybody? These people are scandalized by you. Jesus came to scandalize. 
He came here to fight. He didn't come here to teach a few nice things and be on his merrily way back to heaven. He fought for the truth. He fought for us. He fought with us. He replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by his roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If, bl- if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. Sounds simple enough, right? Find good leaders to follow. Find good relationships to be in. Pair up with people that are really going after God. Pair up with people that are really going after the truth. Simple enough, right? But look at the disciples. They said, Peter said, explain the parable to us. Sometimes we miss the point, even though we hear it over and over and over again. We're looking for something that's right in front of us. And Jesus goes after his own disciples. He goes after the Pharisees. He goes after his own disciples. He says, are you still so dull, Jesus asked. What part of, if a blind man leaves a blind man, they both will fall into the pit, did you not get? Jesus was scandalous. He pushed buttons. Ken, it's Mother's Day. Ease off. I I want to. Right? But yet when you see this all the time, you look in the Bible, it's a battle. It's a spiritual struggle every day. To be humble, to get hungry, to go after things. I think we have to ask ourselves the questions. Does our Christianity relates more to the world? Does it look like more of the world for Christianity? Or does it look more like biblical Christianity? That's what we got to ask ourselves today. And the mother that Jesus lifts up puts the Pharisees and his own disciples to shame because she figured it out. She figured it out. And there are a few things we're going to look at today as we finish up chapter 15 that some of the characteristic that this woman had that saved her daughter's life. You see, we're not this independent person walking around and unaffected and unaffected to everybody else. What happens to us? The decisions that we make, it affects other people around us in concentric circles. To our families first. And it reverberates out. This woman's faith and her fighting for her faith not only saved her daughter's life, but is represented in scriptures itself for what we all should be in terms of fighting for our faith. It's not this passive, sitting in the seats kind of faith. It's a faith that's aggressive. It's a faith that is, as we will see these different characteristics here. It's the same word in Luke. Scandalous. That's what it is. That's, that word is scandalous. Jesus' ministry is scandalous. He says, Blessed are those who have faith in me that are not scandalized by me. You know, sometimes, I'll be honest, it's a little bit weird to use the Greek in, in church because we don't speak Greek and, and the translations are pretty good in itself. But sometimes translations miss the power of the scripture. That scripture, that word, scandaliste, it's, it's, it's more than just, oh, they stumble because of me. Hope that you don't stumble because of me. Jesus says, I hope that you're not scandalized because of me. What a great word, isn't it? 
So we look at our own lives. We look at our own lives. Does, does, does Jesus scandalize us? I mean, does he push our buttons to have a greater faith? You know, Miles Davis, world-class musician. And uh, Bobby McFerrin said this about Miles Davis. Miles Davis turned his back to the audience when he came in, uh, came out on stage. And he offended people. He scandalized people. But he wasn't there to entertain. He was all about the music. I kind of do that too. He was all about the music. And it inspired Bobby McFerrin about the music. At the end of the day, it's all about our relationship with God. At the end of the day. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Good, bad, technology, falling apart. Good scripture, bad scripture, good sermon, bad sermon. At the end of the day. Miles Davis cared about the music. That was what's really important on his heart. Our job is to clear away all these different things. Focus on the music. After that, I thought about the scripture. You know what Jesus did? He went to the beach and took a vacation. That's exactly, I thought there was no other way of explaining this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And from the map, you see the, the lake of uh, Galilee there? He went out to the, to the beach and hang out for a little while. Even Jesus was tired by our lack of faith. He was blown away. Took a little vacation. Brought the guys with him. Big mistake. But he brought the guys with him. A Canaanite woman. And the book of Matthew made it very clear of her race and her nationality to speak of the prejudice of their day. They were ancient enemies of Israel. And Matthew made it a point as he wrote to these Jewish audience in the book of Matthew that she was a Canaanite woman scandalizing everybody that we're not going to whitewash this, that we're going to deal with this in society today. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. She had no right to talk to this person. Jesus had no right to go to that area. It was unfriendly territory, and yet Jesus ventured out to go there. Christianity calls us to venture out and to go there. Ask ourselves, what, this past week, what are some things that we pushed ourselves in this past week, spiritually? What are some things that we did differently this past week. And I'm not talking about some heroic things that you got to speak up in a theater or something like that. Or though, some of us need to do that. Some of us need to really get out there and share our faith, as the Bible says, so that we will know all the good things that we have in Christ. I think some of us, myself included, need to get more excited about our reading, our relationship with God. Amen. And dig deeper into the Scriptures. I think some of us need to re-examine the way we act, the way we 
think about things, the way we react to things. And ask ourselves some penetrating questions. This woman came up to Jesus totally scandalous. She had no right to do this, and yet she did. She cries out to Jesus, my daughter is suffering. She didn't do it for herself. She did it for someone else. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. That's the job of a mother is to embarrass their kids and people around them. Nothing's changed 2,000 years ago till today. You know, it's like the disciples are like, send her away. She's embarrassing us. She's like the mother who brings the lunch to school for you, you know, in front of all your friends. She doesn't care. So the disciples are perplexed by this woman, the tenacity of this woman. And she just, I, I, I think they try to shoo her away, but they just couldn't do it. They were not matched for this woman, this mother. You know, the Bible says that better open rebuke is hidden love. Jesus, maybe he was on vacation. I don't know. We get a glimpse of why he didn't speak to her. But the Bible says better open rebuke than hidden love. Say something. Say something. And sometimes we feel that about God, right? Say something, God. God's silence is not an absence. God's silence is allow us to really fight even more, to think about things even more. So we don't stop praying, we keep praying. Amen? Just like this woman. He answered, seeing that the woman was no match for this lady, Jesus himself stepped into the scene. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Silence did not deter her. Jesus' words and the order of God's work in the world did not deter her. Look what she did. The came, she, instead of going away, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. She was not going to be deterred. That's faith. That's faith. The willingness to engage. The willingness to overlook a slight. The willingness to look at words and go, you know, yeah, but. Yeah, but. He replied, it is not right. And here's the conclusion. It is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to the dogs. Many theologians have looked at the scripture and tried to explain away this passage. You know why? Because it's so rude. There's no way around it. Theologians have used the words, well, maybe it's a little dog. You know, it's a term of endearment. Maybe it's a cute little dog. You know, just going after the scrums. No, a dog is a dog. If you've been called a dog... I don't care if you think it's a little cute little dog or an ugly little dog or a stray dog or a messed up dog. A dog is a dog. And I think what Jesus was doing here was to speak to her of the class relation of her day. And to speak the language of that region. That you are considered by the Jews as Gentile dogs. What are you going to do about it? 
And her answer will blow you away. Yes, it is, Lord. She acknowledges it. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I love those two words, even the. She said, that might be true. We live in a world, we're not Christians, we're not, you know, off into some mountain somewhere and become monks and nuns and stuff like that. We are engaged in the world. And that's what this mother is saying. This mother is saying that, yeah, even though that might be true, even though you Jews look down on us, even though we don't have a right to sit in the table at this point, maybe even, but even that, she says, can I get some crumbs? You know, being slighted has cost the world many, many great opportunities. When we are offended by something, we get in arguments and we lose. What's the point of this? When we are offended, we put blame on things and we miss the opportunity that is there. It's not only scriptures that have recognized that. People recognize this. He says, humans are nervous, touchy creatures, and can be easily offended. Many are deeply insecure. They become focused and energized by taking offense. It makes them feel meaningful and alive. An offended heart is the breeding ground of deception. You know, when we're offended, we lose out. What? great relationship that could be there. And really, that's the main point today. Is in our relationship with God, two things. Are we persistent in our relationship? Pushing, going after it. Number two, in our relationship with God, are we willing to, you know, go deeper? In our relationship with one another, are we willing to go, you know what, I want to get deeper with you. Yes, some of the things you said, some of the things I've said. Our heart, but let's let's break through some of this. And as we close on out, look what it says. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. In a chapter filled, filled with animosity to the Pharisees, to his own disciples, Jesus looks at this woman, this mother, desperate mother, and says, You have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. These are the characteristics that God wants us to have, to learn from this persistent mother. In the Proverbs, it's written, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Her name is not written in the Bible, but who she is is written in scriptures itself for us to read 2,000 years later, this acts from a lonely, old mother. We, we study that out today. 200 years ago. We don't know if it's from Abraham, I'm sorry, from um, Mother Goose or Ben Franklin. But I love this passage here, which I stole from an old minister I, I heard from this past week. And I want to leave us with this. 
Little ships must keep the shore. Larger ships may venture more. That's the only point today. Little ships, they got to stay close to shore. Playing it safe, right? If something happens, they can always go back into the shore. But larger ships, the large heart people, they have the capacity to venture more. Isn't that cool? Keep that to memory. That's a good one. Little ships must keep to shore, but larger ships venture more. Let's venture more in our relationship with God. Let's venture more in our relationship with one another. Let's integrate. Let's, let's, let's engage more with our neighborhoods. Amen? Since it's Mother's Day, I changed the slide. I crossed out Ben Franklin, and we accredit that to Mother Goose. Amen. Have a good week. Awesome. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.